Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I'm here with Father Chuck. Aloha. How are you, Father Chuck? Yeah, I'm doing. I, I, I honestly, I'm extremely tired. Oh yeah. Yeah, because uh, Kid stuff? we are. Well, we yes, sort of. We're moving. We are. Um, we have been in a temporary house, and we are now moving into the permanent church housing here in Hawaii. Okay. It's like less than a mile away. Um, the move, um, as as a as a local one uh, recently put it, it's just just far enough to be a pain in the butt. Okay. Um, but we 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 had to be out yesterday it was our last day, so you know you get to the end of a move and it's like you've moved all the furniture, you moved all the big boxes, and now you just have like the knickknacks that you have to pack up, and it just seems to take forever. And then you have to clean the place. Mm-hmm. So we were in the pro- we were doing all of that. I went over, did some sweeping and some things last night after the kids went to bed. And then Kana left to go back and do some other cleaning. We decided to take shifts so that someone was always in the house. Well, I was like dead asleep when Cora woke up. And she's going through a growth spurt. And so she was starving. And so I had to like text Kana. It was like one in the morning. I had to be like, hey, I need you to come back because, you know, Cora's screaming. And so like being in Hawaii everyone's windows are open. Mm-hmm. So like the whole neighborhood is hearing this child screaming incessantly. <laughs> and I'm like, people think I'm like neglecting my child. Like I'm like yeah. worried that like, they're going to like, you know, do like some kind of wellness check on us. Um, Cause this baby Sh- is shouldn't screaming. people know by now, babies scream, they scream, they scream oh. all the way up until two. <laughs> I've got yeah, one she... right now that's screaming. You probably heard him. <laughs> well, and then like, well, and then to add to it, right. He's, she's, she's, I go into her room, she's laying in her bed and I, I'm kind of rocking her and like, you know, let's just calm down. Maybe go to sleep. And then she doesn't help. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll bring her into my bed with me. And hopefully, like, you know, I can kind of, like, calm her down in the bed. Oh, no, no, no. Because then she smells Kana. And now she's, like, uh. mad that Kana's not around. And on top of that, she hates pacifiers. Mm. She hates, like, any, like, so, like, every now and then she'll suck on a finger as, like, a soothing mechanism. And I did, I tried that. And, no, that just pissed her off. So not only is she crying, she was mad crying. Have you heard baby mad cry? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mad crying as I'm waiting. I mean, it took Hannah probably like 10 minutes to get home, but it felt like seven hours. She may not be old enough, but I wonder if, if it would still work. You got to try the Matt method. Justin Bieber's uh, baby. No. You got to try it once. No. Try it once. I've I've tried oh. it on other children and it's worked. I have managed to go this far in my life without <laughs> without ever hearing that song. Chuck, do you want to get sleep or not? I normally get sleep. This was just one time that it didn't happen. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think you should try it. Because it works. It's it's miraculous. It's miraculous. You won't believe your ears or your eyes. I mean, you're gonna be singing it for days, but <laughs> like I said, I've managed to go this long of my life without ever actually hearing that song. Now, the the Matt method is that Matt discovered that uh, when Bella would cry when they're trying to put her to sleep or take a nap or something, they couldn't get her to sleep. But like one day, he just started playing "Baby" by Justin Bieber, and that did it. 
And as long as that song was on, she would she would sleep. And then my my cousin's little boy Nathan, when he was you know before he could walk, same thing. Couldn't get him to go to sleep. Couldn't get him to nap. And I was like, try the try baby by Justin Bieber. I was joking. Like I just tried it, and it worked. It worked. That that is crazy. Yeah. So I mean, I think if it works on Cora. That's three times. That's like that's that's enough. I think to prove that there's something to it. <laughs> In the getting back to our earlier conversation about empiricism, I think I sort of have like an obli- like a scientific obligation to try it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, on top of that, uh, I mean, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I'm I'm, I'm in the cassock. I have noticed I'm you're in your cassock today, yeah. partly because I mean, obviously, in my office doing my churchy stuff, but also given our subject matter, I don't know if I've ever told you. Mm-hmm. So in Boca Raton, yeah, uh, there is the Murakami Japanese Museum and Gardens. Right. Yeah. Right. So I never got one, to visit it. Oh, you never got to visit it? No, oh, man. You, oh man, that's sad. We were members. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Oh well. So across from the Murakami Japanese Gardens and Museum is a Starbucks. I had gone to visit a parishioner who was in the hospital. And as I was coming back that way, I wanted to grab coffee, so I swung through the Starbucks. So I walk into the Starbucks in my cassock. I come walking in, and there are anime fans in the Starbucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get asked, oh, who are you cosplaying at? <laughs> and they started listing characters that I'd never heard of in my life. And I just said, oh, no, I'm just a priest. <laughs> That's great. That's so pretty this, funny. I'm wearing this because it's basically an anime costume, apparently. Yeah. Sure, sure. I'm sure you can, there's someone you can conjure up. And it turned out that there was some kind of, it was the it was the springtime, like, I feel weird. I want to say anime, but I know, like, that's the smug way of saying it. I mean, just say it. That's fine. Like, are Kana we makes s- fun of me when I say anime instead of anime. <laughs> That's fine. I had friends who made fun of me because I would, I would call, I would say Pakistan, pa- uh, Pakistan instead of Pakistan. And I'm like, okay. that's how people say it. Ding dong. <laughs> yeah. So you're not yeah, American so sounding like enough. A big, big springtime like anime festival happening at the Murakami while I was getting the coffee across the street, and so they thought that I was like cosplaying for that event, which I. Found very very humorous. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's a good uh, little introduction into what we're yeah. talking about today. And today, today is a sort of prologue, uh, a primer into our brand new series called. Uh, are we going to call it Modaku or Modaku or Mo- Modaku? Mo- I would say Modaku. Modaku. Yeah, sure. Okay. It's not a real word anyway, but... <laughs> so I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, but Modaku, poor Mendu of Masters of Divinity, Mod, and Otaku, which is, you know, Japanese for, like, a nerd, basically. Right? Yeah, geek. Geek, nerd, fan. Um, and um, we've been wanting to do this for a while. Like, I think we came up with this about a year ago, actually, because uh, Evangelion was coming on, was, was about to come to Netflix. That's right. And we're like, oh, we got to, like, we got to get those clicks. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. So we're, we're unleashing it. We're seeing uh, how, how well they can do it. But also, um, it's, it's, just, it's just kind of an area we've never... You've talked about it, of course, because, uh, uh, well, you are a, a, the resident weeb. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, and you've, you've, you've talked a little bit about anime every now and then. Anime, whatever. <laughs> um, but we've never talked about it as a subject, as a sort of a topic. It's, it's an area we have not explored. We've explored so many areas of, of fandom and Christianity anime kind of um new territory for us and and we can and we can also use the opportunity to talk about the fact that there is a legitimate christian anime right which is was it the one where the bible stories or superbook superbook i don't think i don't know that i ever watched that i don't think i did i don't have memories of it at least i watched it a few times uh in like sunday school and like when we had a substitute teacher and they would wheel in the cart, mm-hmm. the video cart. Um, yeah. And I always enjoyed it because it dealt, it was sort of like those Hanna-Barbera Bible stories, where, like the kids like travel back in time and they somehow like witness the Bible stories taking place. Yeah, that I saw plenty of. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's a similar premise in that. But the but the super book is like a robot Bible because. Of oh, course so this it, was like a series, not like a not like an like a like a, a anthology. No. So it's like a, like there's actually like a narrative happening yeah. here. Okay, interesting. And it's like like these kids are dealing with some kind of real world issue, if I remember correctly, and then the superbook tells them that there's sort of like a Bible analog to that, and then the superbook zaps them into the into the book, which is huh. more like an e-reader type thing. <laughs> okay, and it's like a robot because again, it's anime, so of course it's a robot, and sends them into like Bible times. And so you get, and I remember like being fascinated by the animation as a kid. And then I later learned out that it was legitimately Japan produced hmm. anime. Okay. So it's like, and, it, and I realized that I loved it years before I even knew what anime was. So like, that's kind of, I don't know, just kind of, a, it, it's, it, it's an intersection here for us, JP. Yeah. So you would say that was your introduction to anime then? I mean, un, unintentionally. Yeah. My, my my legitimate introduction to anime was, without a doubt, Speed Racer on Cartoon Network. Okay. <laughs> was that part of a Toonami? I think it was before they did Toonami, because it was on, like, Sunday nights. Right. Okay. Um, my my introduction, sort of the way you were introduced through Superbook, was, like, back when I you know, was a small child and still watching Nick Jr. when I was sick from school and they would show there was like a like a like a like a Grimm's fairy tales uh anthology show okay that was done in the style of anime so like you know countless disney stories but done in anime style <laughs> there's that right. and well- also a, a, a show about a koala Oh right, I forgot about that. A, a girl, this about. girl, these stuffed koalas, where she touched their nose with her nose, yes! they came to life. <laughs> I remember that show? Yeah. Oh, I loved that. What was it called? I don't remember. But I, I loved that show when I was a kid because I was I was a stuffed animal baby. Like I, I loved stuffed animals, especially if they were Disney characters and stuff. Um, are you looking it up? <laughs> Was I'm it looking the, it up. Was it the noozles? W- noozles, the noozles. It's that. It's, that's. That reminds me of the uh, 
um there it is oh my gosh yes that's it that's it yeah she had like a she had like a like a compact or something that like was like a like a like a tricorder i don't know (laughs) like a magic tricorder yeah that's it they're from the extra dimensional realm of koala walla land yeah then they like i mean and they were yeah and they like eucalyptus was like yes crack like (laughs) (sighs) yeah um so that was sort of the unintentional introduction my um my cousin is an enormous anime fan and um he got into it when i was around like i think i was like 10 years old and he kind of he really wanted me to get into and sort of he sort of I think there's like maybe one summer where he just sort of like bombarded me with like the essentials, right? Showed me Akira, which is a great movie. I think that that movie actually, out of all the things that he showed me, that's the only one that kind of stuck with me. Um, and so I can still watch and enjoy today. I uh, showed me Vampire Hunter D, which was pretty cool. wasn't super into it, um, but it was cool. <laughs> Um, he showed me, oh, what were the other ones? Let's see. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. Huh? I was going to say, uh, Ninja Scrolls? No, I don't think he showed me that. He showed me Ghost in the Shell. Of course. Um, which I, I I didn't really like that one either. Um, and he showed, oh, the Street Fighter 2 anime. Yes. That I loved. I thought that was, that was super cool. I actually, every now and then I'll, I'll I'll pull up a fight scene from that one because it was, it was pretty cool. It's got a cool soundtrack too. Yeah. Um, Way cooler than live action Street Fighter, uh, <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, and also tried to show me Dragon Ball Z. Not into it. Could not get into it at all. Never became my thing. I'm sorry. I know there are just like diehard Dragon Ball Z fans out there. Not my thing. Didn't get into it. And then there is Ranma One Half, which is was is really bizarre. Oh right. About a was it like a if I remember was it like a, like a dude who could become a girl become a panda something so. about a panda <laughs> I don't remember but I'm like I'm aware of the characters I've seen oh. the characters yeah. and Project Aiko which I thought was pretty cool back then which was about like a girl with like have... super like superhuman powers but she like went to high school and stuff it was funny yeah, and also I... like like comic booky. Yeah, I my my I sort of came to anime in a or became aware of it through very roundabout ways, right? Like I, I mentioned, like you know these early kinds of shows that I saw, but I um and like Speed Racer is probably like the first anime that I was sort of aware that it was anime. Oh yeah. Uh, when I watched it, but you know, growing up as a Nintendo kid, right? Like Mega Man was one of my favorite. Um, I think my, but I do think some of my earliest memories of something that we would call anime came from um, advertisements for collectible sh- uh, collectible shops. So one of the weird things about me, I think I've probably talked on the podcast before, is the way that some kids, you know, went to toy stores and stuff. Like I, I mean, I obviously did too, but like I spent an inordinate amount of my time in my life in like secondhand stores and collectible shops. Cause my mom's a doll collector. And so like, I, I came to all of that through those experiences. And so like sci-fi world on international drive in Orlando and enterprise 1701 on Lee road and, um, uh, wizard world, which was, I can't remember where like 1792. Anyway, 
these were like all of these collectible shops that I grew up in. And that's where, like when I was into Star Wars, like that's where I went to find Star Wars toys because they didn't make them for a while, if you remember. And so like you could only get them at like collectible shows and things. And as you're spending time in those places and like seeing advertisements for them on TV, I remember, I think it was Enterprise 1701 that had an enterprise or had, a, had an advertisement where they talked about their vast selection of Japanimation, <laughs> which was, remember that? That was like the term for it for a while. And I can just remember seeing like clips because they were talking about like, you know, their, their, their collection of what they had. And there was this one clip that always stuck out. It was for some movie where it features like, it was like a girl in a schoolgirl outfit or something, but she's like running up a stream of bombs that are being dropped down from some kind of airship. And she's like holding a sword or something. And I just remember that image you know, and I later saw, I can't remember what that movie was, but I remember seeing it on sci-fi channels like Japanimation Block that was on for a while on Saturday mornings. And, but I just remember like seeing that and realizing that there was a distinct visual style to it that was very different than like The Lion King or other cartoons that I had grown up with. Probably closer to things like Thundercats or Silverhawks, which definitely drew from a from an anime well when they did those shows. But um but I um, um, and I was just sort of like given to like thinking that was cool. And so anytime that I, you know, I didn't and plus then like going to Blockbuster and stuff, you'd see the videos on the shelf. Right. And they were always like parental warning videos. Like it was like, weird. They were cartoons. But but like, I remember spending years being fascinated by the Giver. I wanted to be like what is that? Like, that's a cool costume. What is that movie? I want to see it. But like, there's no way that because it's got like the adults, the parents sticker on it, that my mom's ever going to let me watch that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. the same thing with Akira. I saw Akira on Sci-Fi Channel for the first time. And, you know, it was just like whenever I could catch it on TV, that's when I watched it. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. you know, I didn't quite have the same feeling when I was sort of introduced to it. You know, when my cousin was sort of introducing him to me, I was just sort of like, I was enjoying them. But I wasn't becoming like fascinated with it. And I think it's because like I was already on sort of a steady diet of comic books, superhero mm-hmm. comics, and it was always like, oh yeah, these are like the comic books I read, you know. So it's like, and and you know, at the time, superhero movies really only consisted of like the seventies and eighties Superman and like Batman, and you know, they weren't very comic booky, and so it was kind of cool seeing like that kind of action on screen, and I was enjoying that, had yeah. fun with that. But at the same time, it wasn't quite. It wasn't quite ringing my bell like I think my my cousin was hoping, because I never really got into it after that. Yeah, and um, I, I, yeah, and I, I also one of these collectible shops I went to. I remember they sold Gundam models, and that's when I first saw a Gundam model, and and like I was so fascinated by the aesthetics of Japanese mecha. I had already been a Godzilla fan for a long time. So I was already, but like the anime part of it was like, this is, you know, and I think I'd probably seen like an episode or two of Robotech at some point in my life. And so like, I I saw the connections like thematically between that, but like, yeah. So like my, my interest in anime more came from like seeing like images or models on shelves that then I eventually started like, I want to learn more about that, but I didn't have the freedom to like, just go like look it up or rent it. You know, so like when when Speed Racer first showed up on Cartoon Network, I was like, oh, that's anime. Like, that's awesome. And then <laughs> they used to run Robotech after uh, school on Toonami. Like, Toonami was so cool when I was a kid because um, I got to finally see all this stuff. 
Anyway, I realize we're just completely talking over Matt. He's just sitting here. He just chimes in, and we're just talking well, over him. I was going to introduce him once you were, once you were done. Uh, Matt's here. Done. Hey, Matt. I, I've been here the whole time. This is the first time they let me talk. <laughs> For the past cool. 39 minutes. Uh, you were very yeah. quiet during our discussion about Hegelian dialectics, which I thought was interesting. Um, um, yeah, I probably would have <laughs> been very quiet if I was. Actually here. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> hi, Matt. We were uh, we were just talking about like our first time we were all kind of like, exposed to anime and uh, how it affected us and whether or not it stuck with us. It, it definitely affected Chuck, and it stuck with him. Didn't quite stick with me. Maybe one movie did, Akira, uh, but the other stuff my cousin tried to show me over one over a period of one summer. What's up? I so I, I want to add. You said it stuck with me. I, I want to make. I want to. I want to add that. Like, yes, I had a Gundam Wing wall scroll on my bedroom wall at one point, <laughs> but I remember. Like, I never became like the anime guy. Like, I remember once being at Best Buy looking at the anime section and the employee coming over to me and she had like leopard spotted hair and she came over and she was like clearly into the fact that I was looking at anime and started to like quiz me on my anime knowledge and I was like I've seen like two of these man you know so I just want to. I just want to. I want the viewers to understand. Like, I know it, but I don't want somebody like messaging and being like, "Oh, have you seen? Oh, have you checked out?" Blah blah. Like, I I'm not that into anime. Well, I, I think he might be more than more than us, though. Like, I, I probably probably not an anime guy, Chuck. But you do like anime. Yeah, I feel like you. You kind of want to. I feel like. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to. That. I want to move on to Matt. I feel like I feel like he just walked away to find evidence that's going to prove that what he just said is a load of nonsense. <laughs> like he's a hundred percent an anime guy. <laughs> Whatever he comes back with is just going to be. Yeah, because yep, I'm, I'm a little surprised that uh, I thought he would, you know, be like, oh yeah, yeah I'm he totally... under he undersold it and just is like, uh, I mean, I like it, but I'm not an anime guy. Yeah, I mean, it. it I don't know. I had this okay. whole plan because I thought I had like a box of Gundam models here in my office. I told you. <laughs> um, so I was just going to be like, I'm like, I'm not an anime guy. I was just going to start like pulling them up and like sitting them aside. <laughs> um, but I did find I've got like a little Gundam guy here. There he is. Yeah. There we go. So, Great. The joke didn't really work. Matt. But, yeah. Matt, how did you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still here, still waiting to say it. <laughs> how were you first exposed to anime? I, I need I need you to do math for me. Okay. If my dad was born, I I answered my own question. Never mind. Fifty five. So his fortieth birthday would have been ninety five, right? Ninety five. Sure. If my sure. dad was born in fifty five. He would have been forty and ninety five. Correct. Yeah, sounds about right. No, no. Somebody check. <laughs> take this out of the recording before I. I don't know. Maybe do math on my recording. show, man. He's a film guy, and we're divinity students, Matt. We got into our respective worlds. Plus 40. Guys, 1955 plus 40 is 1995. I answered my own question. Don't worry about it. So in 95, I was born in 84, so I was 11. There's a reason for all this. I was 11 years old. 
Because I was born in 84, so 95. I was 11 years old when I first experienced anime, to answer your question. Okay, okay. And I don't remember what channel it was. I don't remember exactly when it was. I just remember that it was around my dad's 40th birthday party. And I was watching TV in their room because they had a bunch of people over, obviously. And I turned on some show, and I wish I knew the title of it, but it's anime and it's vampires. Is it and Vampire Hunter D? I just, I, that's what I originally was wondering, but I don't know, because I don't remember any Vampire Hunter in it. I just remember the vampire himself, and I remember him getting, like, staked to the wall or something and exploding in, like, an insane amount of blood. It sounds like and a I'm Vampire like, Hunter D thing. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what the heck kind of cartoon is this? Um, so that's how I, I was, um, the first time I discovered anime as far as anime goes. Like, I, before that, it was the, uh, books, the, um, drawing a blank. Manga? Yeah. 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 Like, I used to think those were kind of cool. I used to think those were kind of cool when I'd, like, wander through Barnes & Noble just because they're backwards, you know, because we're America and everything's about us, so they're backwards, (laughs) not ours. Um. And I, I thought the art was interesting, but then that movie, which kind of scarred me for life for a while about anime, excuse me, and I'm glad to say that I grew up to discover um, I'm still scarred by anime, but we can get into that, I'm sure, in future episodes. I have a lot to blame you two for. Uh-huh. But, um, but what I am discovering is that I have lived my entire life interested in and drawn to American culture that blatantly rips off or attempts to recreate Japanese entertainment. For example, Giver. I didn't know Giver was an anime movie until long after I had seen a certain movie with Mark Hamill yep. that was made here in America and awful loved it when i was a kid and read this watched the sequel and my in-laws are pulling into the driveway while i'm talking but um saw the movie saw the sequel and then discovered long after that that it was an anime Mm -hmm. um it wasn't hard to know that like power rangers was ripped off from japanese culture because it's like their show oh yeah sentai yeah we just put we just put americans in the uh live action scenes that they're not in a costume yeah so obvious but but my point is like and i know that's not anime but my point is i never realized how much i was into um japanese entertainment and never knew it because i was watching all the knockoffs even the horror movies jp some of my favorite horror movies growing up the ring uh, the grudge Mm -hmm. find out later oh these are remakes of japanese horror movies (laughs) like so i've been a Japanese film and anime adjacent fan my entire life and didn't know until I was an adult where this all came from and yet still can't say I'm an anime fan because I'm scarred for life from uh, that first thing I saw and from you guys so don't worry about it horrible but you 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 did watch I remember in college I was I was starting to watch uh well, because Adult Swim used to show like pretty cool anime shows late at night. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was starting to kind of get into Cowboy Bebop, which I still think is kind of cool. Um, but you were watching Witch Hunter Robin, right? 
Oh yeah, um, I loved Witch Hunter Robin. That's the one obscure one that I was a huge fan of. Um, loved Witch Hunter Robin and love it for all the reasons I'm sure other people didn't. It was super boring, <laughs> and I was totally into this like 100% drama cartoon. Like it wasn't driven by action and over the. It was like watching a dramatic procedural that was drawn. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. and they just happened to hunt witches, and then it would have like magic battle at the end um but i also i yeah i just i just and i'm sure we'll get into it into future episodes so i won't go too deep but um i liked witch hunter robin i liked full metal alchemist i've watched that whole show i've even watched the live action netflix movie um i of which one full metal alchemist there's a there's a live action version. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, there's a live action movie. Um, and there is. Hold on, pause break. Hello. Good recording a podcast. Matt was spotted so that's by a, they're, fan. They're in my ear right now, talk, talking like. Uh, thank you. See you later. Um, um I just want to just just a quick aside for a second. I just want to remind all of our viewers, listeners. If you see us out in the public, please don't approach us. Like, <laughs> it's really, you know, we appreciate you listening and stuff, but some, you know, we kind of try to keep a wall, you know. Yeah, I mean that's why the, the masks, the masks have been a blessing, right? They, <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah. know it's us. Yeah. All right. All right. Someone just walked up to Matt's <laughs> car and like insisted that they talk to him. Like, I mean, like I said, we appreciate everything you guys do for us, but you know. If we're recording, just kind of be cool. Like, be, please be cool. Fans, what can I say? So, I, I, what I, what I, I like these few anime shows I got into. What I like about Japanese anime, and I like about the storylines, is like the depth at which these things go. They're mm-hmm. not like a surface level entertainment thing. Um, but I've also noticed that that's even even in their like geared toward younger audiences stuff, they're still not afraid to go into topics that we tend to shy away from. Yeah. Um, They're kind of like, it's kind of like Mr. Rogers philosophy. Like kids are going to deal with this stuff too. So like, you know, all their cartoons from um, like the kid level all the way up to the obviously rated R and beyond adult stuff deals with like loss and grief and fighting within families and fighting within friendships and relationships and like it's all in all their stuff from like pokemon all the way up to whatever the worst anime you can think of is which is probably neon genesis but um it's i'm just kidding i just had to get chuck's reaction you can't see it on the recording uh but on the video you'll see that's all it was for chuck i know i'm sorry but um yeah, I like I like they're they're not afraid to dive into it instead of shy away from it. Because I mean, you can watch things like, like I said, like a Pokemon or a what's the like the Airbender one. Um, yeah, like these, these things. Avatar. Yeah, I know, but I'm. Yeah, that's a bad example. Thank great. Just <laughs> anyway, I, I just like I, I like that they they go there. Is my point. Like well, okay. Yeah. I was going to say that raises an interesting question that we could probably talk about at some point, which is, does anime have to be Japanese? 
because uh, like he he just mentioned he just mentioned um, Last Airbender and like Korra, yeah. like those are two shows <laughs> that are definitely like in the wheelhouse of anime at least in the animation style and all that. Well, Plus, yeah, there's also, also the Boondocks, also the, which is a Boondocks. yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I, I think that the reason I made the mistake is I think anime has become. I mean, it obviously is specifically Japanese anime is the real thing, but I also think it's become like the blatant turn for that style. Yeah. So like, it, it's easy to confuse because if you draw a cartoon in that style, it's what people are going to think it is because it's a very specific form. It's like Egyptian hieroglyphics. If you draw, if I draw a picture, somebody's going to see it and go, "Oh, hey, look, that's like an Egyptian hieroglyphic." And it's like, no, some pathetic white dude in America like an, drew it, but it's like a, an anime style. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would also like, speaking of anime style, I would also like to point out that Father Chuck, who is not an anime guy, as he put it, was drawn to a life calling by God that he wears an outfit that looks like he stepped out of an anime cartoon. <laughs> we were just um, talking just, about... Can I just draw attention to that right now, Mister? Yeah. You look why, like why, you're why don't you a uniform that every person wears, and like every well, soldier in a Japanese anime, yeah. the general is like wearing your outfit right now. It's uh-huh. just a different color. Right. Well, what that's funny, Matt, is before you came on, I was sharing that um, I'm wearing my cassock today, uh, partly because one time I was getting Starbucks um, across from the Murakami Center in Boca. And it happened to be that th- th- that same day was some kind of um, anime festival. And so when I walked in to get my coffee, all these like anime fans were asking me who I was cosplaying as. And they were just like, <laughs> throwing names at me. <laughs> like, I've never seen that. That's, uh, that's an, that's an interesting question. Did, did, did cosplay come from anime? Like, is that where <laughs> it's it sort of gained its popularity? I, I mean, I know you can cosplay as like anything, but like, did I think it, it's. I think it's probably a combination of things, right? Because it's definitely an otaku culture thing in Japan to dress up. Right. But I think there's also the nascent thing from Star Trek conventions of people dressing that's up true. as Star Trek characters. Yeah, but, that's, yeah. That, that yeah, comes but, out of the Star Trek convention world. But I, yeah. but I do have to say that the term cosplay I'd never heard of until it's definitely uh, Japanese conventions right. became much more... Like the internet caused mm-hmm. all of us to know what these conventions are. And the term cosplay, I'd never heard until it was people dressed as Japanese anime. Now, cosplay is any costume you put on your cosplay. Yeah, um, I would say, I would, yeah, definitely cosplay is definitely, definitely a Japanese. Like, definitely like a lot of Sailor Moons sure. and stuff. Yeah, I probably should have looked <laughs> more into this before I started the episode because I feel like cosplaying is like, you know, there's definitely a, a culture, you know, like, like Trekkies dressing up as their favorite characters in conventions and stuff. Star Wars fans dressing up as Star Wars characters and, and waiting in line to see the movie. You know, that's that has its that's its own little sort of, um, you know, a little thing that fandoms share. I feel like cosplay is a bit more like uh, turning that into sort of like a like an art in a way. Oh, totally. Like it's it's something that can kind of occupy an area of your life like not just building it but also like wearing it you know um like the point is to kind of bring attention to it yeah um so that's it's, i think that i think there's a certain distinct quality about it than just like dressing up as your favorite character and think it's interesting i should have i should have looked into it more because <laughs> i think i didn't even think to look to think about cosplay when talking about anime um, but that's become so intertwined these days now, right? Right. Anyway. 
Um, is there any anime that you're watching now that you guys are enjoying? I, I, Chuck, I, I, I would, I would assume there's some stuff that you watch currently. Um, actually, not really. I um I thought you were watching well, One Punch Man and stuff. Like, I was watching One Punch Man um, for a while, which is hilarious. Um, I Kana and I really enjoyed a show called um, Usagi Drop, which was um, this really very touching little domestic um, series about a thirty-year-old guy adopting a six-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. So it's this great little it's this great little story about parenting and parenthood. Um, I, uh, of course, watched Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, I still have yet to watch End of Evangelion, though. Yeah, I don't think either I of you have. To, I have to put myself in a, Excuse me? In a headspace for that. Or have, I haven't no. watched what? You've watched it, right, Matt? You've watched the end. I watched a whole stinking show, and okay, I watched yeah. two stinking movies, <laughs> which one stinking movie just made me relive the whole stinking show again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the other no, one was, I've seen the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All we right. Have, sure. We have issues. <laughs> yeah. I still got to see End. I still got to see End of Evangelion. No, uh, you don't. <laughs> no, I do. I actually no, do. No, you don't. Matt, um, Matt had a traumatic experience, uh, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I. Um, it is a traumatic experience. That is the very definition of that movie. <laughs> um. I. But I will say that with my kids, my kids love Miyazaki films. Of course. Uh, that's something I want to talk about for a minute. I have an aside we, about Miyazaki. We, I have a bone to pick. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, at this point, I've probably seen My Neighbor Totoro more than any other movie. I mean, they really? the, the kids love that. And um, um, they also really like Ponyo. And okay. we that's watched, the fish, right? We, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a strange movie. It's got Liam Neeson's in it. Um, and, we, and we also watched... Um, We've also watched only one time we watched Spirited Away, which is a bit of a masterpiece, um, but it's kind of scared, kind of scared Charlie a little bit. Um, mm. And um, so we haven't we haven't checked it out again, but I do want to watch it again. Um, and I, I really want to see Kiki's Delivery Service. I've not seen that yet. That's like the one Miyazaki film I've actually really, really wanted to see. And it's the only Miyazaki film I've seen. <laughs> OK, Totoro is fantastic. Yeah. Um, it really is fantastic. Um, I'm not going to get into it too, too much, but, um, what what did you want to say about Miyazaki, JP? Well, I want to ask Matt first. Matt, Matt, have you ever seen a Miyazaki film? Do you have any idea who we're talking about? I, I do. I, I don't know from experience. Well, I was trying to finish my thoughts. (laughs) Shut your mouth. I do know who he is. I don't have any experience of his movies other than knowing the titles like Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, Can I ask a question? Because I don't know who he is. Does he have anything to do with that like Flying Castle one too that I always hear about? Yeah, How's Flying Castle. Yeah, so see, I know all about his stuff, but I've never seen it and I don't know him um, because of how you say it, the fish guy? Ponyo? Ponyo. Ponyo? Definitely heard of that one, and like, isn't Totoro. Kiki's delivery service? Is that like she flies around on a broom or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm familiar, but I haven't actually seen them. Yeah, I uh, we, we we did an episode on where we talked sort of in depth about Miyazaki with one of uh, Chuck's former students. Yeah, with uh, Maylin O'Malley. Yeah, and um, you know what's funny is. Um, <laughs> 
I have a bone to pick with Miyazaki. Now, I'm, I need to reassure everybody, the masses. Um, I am mostly tongue-in-cheek when I say this. I mean, I hate to be the guy that like, explains their bits, but I feel like I have to in this case because I don't want to get shot. Um, but uh, there was, there's like a viral video of him where, not too clear on the context, but these two animators were presenting some footage to him that they had made where, like, I think in, I think they had used AI to create, like, a, a zombie. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I know context. Okay, all right. They are programmers with Konami, and they are working on a Silent Hill video game, and they were showing, they were trying to show off to Miyazaki what they had accomplished. Right. Um, first of all, that was your first mistake. Uh, I don't see how Miyazaki would be interested in anything related to Silent Hill, uh, judging by his work. Um, and he, the, when he shows them this zombie that's just sort of like, you know, rolling around, uh, because, you know, it can't, it has no like, limbs, um, the amount of, like, parental disappointment um, and his words and his voice and his face. Um, I mean, they showed him the zombie and he was like, you have insulted me. You have uh, uh, here is a sword. You need to fall on it. Um, and the, the look on their faces is like, uh, dear leader is disappointed. <laughs> and, you know. Whenever I see that clip, it's usually posted in Reddit or Twitter. That's usually where I see it, right? That's where I spend most of my life, anyway. the The threads are always like these 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 peasants dare to show Miyazaki their stupid zombie animation. But I, my takeaway was okay. So not a Romero fan, probably. I don't know. I don't like the shaming of it. Like it's it's just a zombie, man. Come on. Like it's but, it's it's a horror thing. It's, it's you could have just said not my thing. Sorry, uh, but like he 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 brought up this whole thing about how he has like a paraplegic friend and it reminds me of him and it's so inhumane. Uh, basically, just kind of like softly berating them, and I just I, I was like, come on, guys, like lighten up. <laughs> but you've also got to remember, JP. This is th- 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 people who share that are not appreciating the fact that this is coming from a Japanese cultural context where like shame is part of how they do things. And so like to apply Western values to it, yeah. misses misses something kind of crucial there. Like it's something that goes without saying for them. Like it's, it would not, it would not, it would not come across there the same way that it would necessarily come across here to have uh-huh. like, it wouldn't be like you showing Spielberg something you made and then Spielberg saying that to you, like you're that's that's a very different thing based off based off of our cultural context versus like a Japanese context. So you're saying it's like kind of perfectly normal to be like, I think Miyazaki would like my Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Like, I he probably wouldn't. He probably wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, but it would, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand the cultural differences. I understand that there is a shame and honor. I don't know. Is that problematic now? Because the shame and honor culture thing is such an evangelical thing. It's ingrained in my head. I don't know if it's like an actual term used or if it's problematic. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. Can I say Japanese culture is a shame and honor culture? (laughs) I don't know. I I think so. I mean, like, 
I mean, um, like my, my my the cultural guide they gave me when I came here to Hawaii talks about it that way. So because yeah. Hawaii is also a shame and honor culture. So okay, well, um, I I still think it's dumb. Um, <laughs> you know, I, for, for most part, I don't know if I would show my my zombie to the guy who makes movies about you know dragons who like grant wishes or whatever. I mean, maybe if the zombie <laughs> grant, grants wishes, I don't know. Um, yeah, there, it would be seriously though, like it'd be seriously showing like a sequence from Saw to, to Walt like, Disney. Well, I was trying to think of someone or like Mr. Like, Rogers. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was thinking of somebody more, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's close. It's close. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, I I I understand the hustle. Like that's the entertainment industry. The hustle. You're like you got to find anybody who's connected to show them whatever you got, right? But like then like you just look at their faces, like they're they're just so like. Oh. I've been I've been shamed by Miyazaki. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just never sat right with me. I'm like, it's just a zombie, man. Like, just tell them it's not your thing and move on. But whatever. <laughs> I guess I guess I'm I guess that's a, that's the Westerner in me. I don't know. It's it's, a, it's an American way of thinking. I don't know. Um, but so like I I do ha- kind of have that, and I'm like, oh, give me a break. Like I, I do kind of feel like it, it's it sort of lends itself to this sort of. Uh, uh, sort of deification of Miyazaki. I don't know if I'm being unfair. Uh, I was just expecting like at least one person to be like, "Come on, give it a re- give it a rest, whatever." Um. Anyway, whatever. Moving on. Miyazaki is cool. Um. I haven't. I've only watched one of his movies. I'm sorry. I just realized. I totally am the anime guy. I have a paid subscription to Crunchyroll. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, just maybe that's what this series is about. That's going to be your arc for this series is to <laughs> embrace to embrace that you are indeed purely otaku. <laughs> uh, what, what's the other word? The other Japanese word about like the that describes like the shut-ins. It's um. It'll come watched, to me. I watched a Vice documentary about those guys, and that was really sad. Yeah, the ones like like marry their body pillows and stuff yeah and they like die alone yeah i mean they they, they had one of the reporters show up to like a, a crime scene like well, you know crime scene he had he had committed suicide <clears throat> and they, he, he had turned out to be the, the victim had turned out to be one of those what's the word no i don't know moving on <laughs> we won't get into the depressing part i'll read real quick let me let me redeem let me redeem ghibli for you a little bit Okay. Uh, they they sent. You talked about. You mentioned about falling on your sword. They sent a sword to Harvey Weinstein, basically <laughs> with that intention. That rules. That <laughs> rules. Okay. Because right. you know about that, right? Like you know about the, like there was a distribution deal with Weinstein. Like I probably heard of that. Probably through Disney. There was something that he was trying to do. I can't remember the details of it now, but it had to do with distribution. Anyway, he threatened them that if they didn't do X, Y, or Z, that he would basically like not distribute their films in enough theaters and they didn't cave. And so like some Ghibli film only went to like a few select theaters or whatever. And so in retaliation or in response, they sent him a sword. That, 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 that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that does kind of redeem it a little bit. And you All just right. know that he was like, Oh, look at this cool sword. <laughs> it's like the perfect size for disemboweling yourself. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sapuka blade. 
Let's get Matt talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion. I, yeah, I, I, well, well, I, I, I do. I don't want him to spoil it for you, though, Chuck. That's is true. The thing. That's true. I okay. But I, I do want to know. It, what is, you know, what I've, is I've actually spoil. We're at, we're at certain different paths Depression, here. Depression. The end. Chuck has seen the series, but he hasn't watched the movies. Matt has watched the series. The and, okay. More, Matt, more has watched, depression. Matt has watched the entire thing. I've only seen the movies and the recap. The movie and the Continued recap. Continued depression. Um, so I haven't watched the series. Um, <laughs> Total hopelessness. <laughs> I just sums how, it all up for you. You can move on now. You're done. <laughs> I don't think it ends on a hopelessness note. I wouldn't say Excuse that. Excuse me? No, no. I mean, it's. I, I don't want to spoil it for. Like I said, I don't want to spoil it for Chuck. I, Total hopelessness. <laughs> I will say that's a show. I, I experienced something rare with that show that I've it never. It is a show. You can say that. Where after watching episodes, like I can only take like two or three at a time. Yeah. And then I had to take I long. I it all in one walks. day. Oh, you based the whole thing one day? Oh my gosh! No wonder and you both Matt. movies. Matt. Oh no wonder. Matt, <laughs> Matt traumatized it himself. Not, it was not okay. You need to watch Shin Godzilla because like, we... that same guy made the same guy who made Evangelion made Shin Godzilla, but he's like why, made it like why, now why, that he's not why, depressed why, anymore. Why I... It was a dark, dark, dark day. <laughs> I, I'll say, dude. Like, I haven't watched the series. I watched the two movies, and like, I remember my my cousin showed me the movie, and I was I was like nineteen years old, and he showed it to me before I went on like a road trip by myself across the country. <laughs> I remember I remember watching it and just being like, "Wow, this is pretty trippy. This is pretty insane. This is pretty cool, though." And then the next day, I'm just like alone with my thoughts in this car. I'm like, "What did I watch?" Like what? What in the world did I watch? Like yeah, it's wa- kind of like watching 2001: A Space Odyssey for the first time. Like, yeah, I watched it. I watched the show while Kana while Kana was like out of town visiting like a friend or something with the kids. So I was completely alone. Yeah, and oh yeah, we're all we're all completely alone. That's, that's <laughs> the joy of that show. Alone. Here's can I say the thing that total hopelessness. Can I say the yeah. thing about that show that blew my mind, and I still yeah. I still think about it, is there's a scene where the one angel like possesses his brain, Shinji's yeah. brain, and so you got this part where he's on a train, freaking out, and he's talking. He's always freaking out, but he's he's on the he's on the he's leaving. I love what by the way the recap is hilarious. You realize how many times that kid runs away? <laughs> yeah. Like they ran out of ideas, he just keeps running away. Anyway, um, he's on this train and he's talking to sort of like a shadow version of himself. And the shadow, the angel version of himself says that there's a piece of you that lives in the minds of everyone around you. And you're basically trying to control that version of yourself, the version of yourself that lives in the brains of all the people around you. That's too deep for the show. That's too deep for the show. (laughs) I got. And the Urkel bat that's gone. That's become self-aware all of a sudden. I need need out. (laughs) Oh, Total why, we say this is why anime is awesome because yeah. where no, else can't you have that. that? The Matrix, that's it. Maybe Cloud Depression. Atlas. Okay, so the Wachowskis, yeah, because <laughs> they watch a lot of anime because they're and they anime like, disseminate it to us in like their weird blockbuster format. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much. But, 
But seriously, there's like no other. So if there, if there's anybody, if there's anybody out there who's not an anime person, can I just let you know? Because I feel like this is necessary to say when we're talking about this depressing, dark movie that will leave you scarred forever. Um, don't watch it in a, a day. Um, and you hear Chuck, and you hear Chuck say things like the word "angel." Don't be confused. <laughs> This yeah. has nothing to do with anything you think an angel is. <laughs> it's it, they're they're like revelation angels. They're it's Kabbalah. They're like, yeah. they're like they're like body horror cartoon figures. Like I don't I don't even know how else to like. It's they're just it's not cool, man. Okay, so it, it really drives this home the Eve I... Eve thing. I don't know. Like, well, it really it, it really drives well it really drives home the idea that. Our idea of like our conception of angels that comes out of the Bible is actually borrowed from Babylonian religion. Hmm. Oh, and, does it? Does it draw yeah. attention to that? That's what I got from it. That's what I loved as a as, a, as an Old Testament scholar, like you know, doing all that work. Like it was kind of cool to see that, like, oh, this is Kabbalah, Babylonian type stuff, like the way that angels were conceived in that. Because I watched it around the time that I was doing some study into like Babylonian culture and its impact on Judaism, and like it all came through. Like, hmm. what's his name? Uh, Remember the guy who who's the director? And wait, I forgot wait, his name. I'm forgetting wait, everything. JP, I'm sorry. JP, you said this. you said Ava, or what'd you say? Well, you said Eve. I said Ava, but you were probably talking about Lilith. I was Lilith. talking Lilith. Lilith, yeah, Lilith. Yeah. Yeah, I said Eve. Don't did they talk about Eve in it too? Though I feel like they did, didn't they? I remember. So Wasn't there an Eve, an Eve and an Adam involved in this thing too? Isn't Ayanami Eve? I don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, the whole, the whole, I mean, obviously, I think it's in the title for obvious reasons other than just the title and all that crap. I mean, it obviously, it touches a lot on the Genesis concept. It's, I mean, like the book of the Bible, Genesis concept, yeah. obviously. But no, people, not angels. There's no people flying around in robes with wings. How did K. Anna? Anna? Yeah, that's it. Anno. Disturbing living things that try and kill people, and some have been like hollowed out and turned into robot armor. I really want to do an episode on Neon Genesis Evangelion. I don't know how to though, because it's a it's we a don't. TV show and a movie. Here's how you I don't... And, a re- and a and a and a reboot. Like there's the new like rebuild rebuild of Evangelion. Yeah. Let me tell you here here's how you do an episode on it. Two and a half hours of a black screen and no audio. <laughs> that is how you do a podcast on that show. No, no, no. What you do is you repeat the same lines over and over again, but each of us say it in turn, right? Like, and it's just uh, that like anime whimpering sound. Like, <laughs> oh, well, J- oh, okay. JP has never seen the show. Actually, it's like, yeah, they actually the final do episodes. that in the show and it's not cool. Which is what, what, so what now? You literally start like wanting to dig your eyes out. And at one point, it's so, not cool. It's kind of like trying to make it through the Beatles song number nine. It kind of is. Um, which, oh, by the way, messed up. The one so time there's... I listened to that in the car. So listen, though, JP, the last like three episodes of the show are a Anno, nightmare. Anno had like given up, like literally in life, just given up. And so like entire sections of the show are like incomplete animation and, and, and just like sketches, like single story, lines and just... stuff. And like incoherent story, it's just depression on screen. 
is yeah. all it is. And like whole, disconnected yeah. lines of dialogue that have nothing to do with the last one spoken. Just to totally be like, life sucks and means nothing. So, so you, you can see why he got death threats then, right? When he finished the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it, but, it, but it does feature a lot of one line being repeated by one every line being repeated. voice actor on the show. That's crazy. <laughs> one line being repeated. Yeah, I think you line being repeated. Very avant-garde. Line being repeated. Well, I think what's funny about it is that like it, it's not like some obscure it's show. It's funny. like the most popular show in Japan when they're doing that. So like, there's nothing funny about it. It's like if they did Sorry. that on Star Wars, like Correct. if Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> where like JJ Abrams was like, I give up, and they just released like storyboards, scenes for it. It's like storyboards, and like JJ Abrams would be better. dead. He would be dead. He would be dead in the street. It would. It would probably be better than what we got. Probably, True. I would just, I would take it. <laughs> I so, want to see the like reverse of. I want to see JJ Abrams go like his. totally insane. <laughs> Release at yeah, the end of the Evangelion version of Star Wars. The Last Jedi. He was like, no, the last Star Wars movie is be called the Last Star Wars, or the end of Star Wars, and it's <laughs> the last Star War. <laughs> the end of Star Wars. One Star War. So oh. switching gears. Okay. Yeah. I, can we? Can I kind of? I don't. I don't know what your plans are for this episode, but I do sort of. I, I kind of feel like we should address sort of the anime stereotype. Okay. So okay. All right. This is where, where things are going to get. You know what I'm talking about. Are we talking about? Are we going to get into tentacles? <laughs> I've got like. I've got like. Well, you two went there. Minutes, <laughs> so I might have to be gone before this anyway. I. I. Uh, are we talking about anime stereotypes or like fan stereotypes or all of it? Okay, there's this one time, I was living in L.A., and the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, who do the Oscars, uh, they had an exhibit that was dedicated solely to anime. And it was pretty cool. I don't remember what I saw. <laughs> but I was with my friends, and there's just, like, one lonely dude who was kind of, like, also there. It was pretty empty. Um you just and described anime fandom. Sorry, we should yeah. cut that. Well, <laughs> and this little lonely dude was like kind of following us as we kind of went to each part of the exhibit. I'm still and, like, waiting we to would, be surprised. Like, but... <laughs> me or someone else would make a joke and we'd all laugh. And then he'd go, ha, 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 ha. And then he would like, I would say something and then he would like interject with his own joke. We're like, oh. Like... I don't know. We were making. I guess we were talking about Street Fighter, and he just goes Hadouken. <laughs> I was like, oh, "Oh, it's time to go." <laughs> and that's how you met Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, oh, that's good. Um, so, I mean, yeah. What? What? What is it? What is it about? anime that may attract I mean we, we've talked oh my we, gosh we, we, we could write volumes about how much we talk about fandom but I feel like the anime nerd is so distinct well JP you and I you and I share you and I share an acquaintance <laughs> that is an anime nerd do we? yeah don't you remember um, he used to frequent the uh, the EB games at the West Oaks Mall his name, his name is Joey yes yes we uh-huh. he he to me is like the platonic ideal of the anime fan uh-huh 
and I, I got to know him working at a video game store. He would trade in video games all the time, and he just pretty much would have spent his entire life watching anime and playing video games. Hmm. And I, oh, it's Jay, Matt, Matt's interjecting here. Okay, all right. I go for Matt. Well, I'm, but yeah, I just I'm, I'm going to let you two discuss your anime fan thing. But I mean, I'll say the stereotype. You already talked about it. I get it. The stereotype is like a different level of nerdy. But then there's also another stereotype that I'll let the two of you get into, where there's also the pervert. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying that it's for some reason that's the two, and I'm saying they're stereotypes. I'm not mm-hmm. saying they're true. That's yeah. the two stereotypes you get is like the loner, completely by himself, nerdy kid that's into something that we're all like, what is wrong with that? I don't get it. And then there's the like same basic makeup but with a touch of I'm also afraid to turn my back on you. <laughs> like, I have, and I have my theories on this. Yeah. Well, you guys can go there, with your theories and I look there, forward to listening to them. Yeah. There is a capitalistic, individualistic American culture at work here clashing with another culture that's creating something. Oh. We should let that, that go. Is probably yeah. dialectic in nature. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> so I'm going to go on that note and let <laughs> you two anime nerds discuss it because I'm too cool for you both. Um, good journey. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See you, Matt. So here's my theory. Okay. About the anime fan stereotype. Okay. We're going to crack it here. Right here. I think, <laughs> I think it's two. It's kind of two things. Yeah. All right. One. Okay. First of all, the perviness aspect of of anime. Mm-hmm. I think that exists because some of the first instances of like manga and anime to sort of really be embraced were pornographic in nature okay. in the United States. In the United States. All right. I mean, I think, you know, we had, I mean, in the 70s, we obviously had like Speed Racer and we had Gigantor and we had Astro Boy. Um, Gachaman, which was um, which was uh, here as like War of the Planets or whatever it was uh, that they used to they, they or, you know they aired it here. So we had a few things of, of you know Robotech. There were like a handful of anime things in the seventies and eighties that had made their way into American culture, but they were you know they were still kiddie, right? They were still kid shows. Um, I think that a lot of well, so like manga manga largely got introduced into the West through heavy metal magazines. Which, with uh, running running installments of Lone Wolf and Cub, um, and that I think added an element of like this is an adults only thing, and then the pornographic genre of anime, which is called hentai, mm-hmm. started to like appear in sort of shady places, and I think they sort of kind of rolled out with like other stuff right and then on top of that right there's this differentiating factor americans had largely understood animation to be for children yeah and so the idea but in japan for a long time animation was everyone watched like there was you know animation was available to all age groups had it right manga has been read was read by adults kids teenagers everybody right Mm -hmm. animation you know anime had you know there was like you know family sitcom basic kind of things that were animated there was you know, so, you know, the idea and there were adult movies that were animated. There were all of it. You know, so Japan was very comfortable with that. Americans 
largely understood cartoons to be children's fodder. We'd long left animation being like an adult thing or even, you know, cause like you think about like the early Warner brothers cartoons were totally adult. Oh right? yeah. Yeah, they were. Um, and so, and so there was that. So in order for it to sort of get into the West or someone to be interested in it, like, Amer- you know, like you're not going to get America, like Americans are not likely to go out and pick up, you know, a movie about like an animated movie about like a family moving out West or whatever. Right. Like the thing that's going to draw them is some kind of like, it's like exploitation, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it, it has that like titillating factor that grabs you. Right. So it has to be. Yeah. I mean, you have an industry mostly run by men. Right. And you know, you don't need like, you just need an actress to read the lines. You don't need her to do anything. And like, you know, you have sort of power over this character to do whatever you want. Right. So, and so I think that that aspect of it is what got largely introduced into like the adult market. So like adult animation, you know, had to be like adult, right? Again, it's like I think probably, you know, related to, you know, exploitation cinema. And so, yeah. I mean, you think about like Heavy Metal the movie. When Heavy Metal the movie came out, in order for it to sort of be taken, you know, by, you know, be seen by adults, it had to be like you know, like nudity and stuff had to be in over the top violence and stuff had to be in it. And so I think that that's part of how, so because of that anime has always, has kind of long carried that taboo with it in, in Western American culture because of just how it first introduced is my theory. Now somebody out there could correct me on this, but that's my theory. The the first anime to be big, like first anime adult anime movie to be big in the United States was Akira. Right. And it's extremely violent mm-hmm. and extremely weird. And so yeah. that, you know, that was a big part of it. And then I think that, um, so I think that that's part of like where those associations come with anime being, you know, somewhat perverted and somewhat like, like weird. I also think that on the other side of it, anime offers a worldview that is different from the Western suburban worldview and that it attracts the same kind of people that, that like a generation or half a generation earlier were attracted to like Monty Python, Hmm. which, you know, or like, you know, cause there's, there's that whole, you know, there's that, there's that, there's that, there's a whole nerd subset who, you know, gravitated to things like Monty Python's flying circus, or they gravitated to um, like kids in the hall, you know, just offbeat, non-typical, it's the other stuff that was in the comic shop that wasn't comics (laughs) right right and like as a as a kid who grew up you know with you know as a sing as an only child of a single mom who spent a lot of summers while my mom was at work and just kind of and had cable tv at my disposal right like i watched a lot of like upright citizens brigade and you know strange mystery science theater 3000 mystery science theater 3000 a lot of that kind of offbeat stuff and so i think that like i was sort of geared toward the idea that like anime like anime was going to gravitate toward me because like I was just already already into like right. offbeat not normal things. And so I think like a kid who doesn't already fit who doesn't fit in into the mainstream, you know, would be considered a nerd or a geek, but we only use those terms because they just can't they just can't sort of function in the status quo that we've sort of arbitrarily created of what you're supposed to be as a teenager or whatever. Yeah. That's what it used to mean. Yeah. 
Now it just so, means, oh, you like things. That's what a nerd means now, right? Right. But it used to be, yeah, you didn't fit in. And so, like, you would, you know, so there became sort of feedback loop, right? You didn't fit in. And so you were sort of encouraged to, you know, you, 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 you sort of tried to fit in wherever you could fit in. And you, you might have found out that the kids who were playing Pokemon cards and watching anime were willing to, like, sort of hang out with you. And so you, you know, gravitated into that world. And so, like, I think that, you know, so there, so you got two things. But then, like, okay, you find out that that kid is interested in anime. Maybe they're only interested in anime because it's just different. And they've never seen anything like it, right? So they, they start watching Sailor Moon on Toonami. Or they start watching, you know, whatever. But then whatever level of anime that's been into the popular culture is considered, like, pervy. Yeah. And so they use that back on the kid. Oh, you're into those kind of cartoons where the girls are all naked and, you know, like, oh, you're into that. You're weird. Oh, you're into like tentacles and, oh, you know, and it just, and I think it creates this feedback loop. Whereas like now that junk is mainstream, right? Like we, we talked about the boondocks. Boondocks is a super celebrated show, which is clearly derived from anime, clearly derived from, you know, cause that's the one area of anime that like we probably don't talk about enough is that a lot of black youth oh, yeah. seem to gravitate toward anime. Mm-hmm. And it was never seen as like, oh, you're into that? Like it was, you know, like I can tell you the number of like black kids I knew in my neighborhood growing up who were like really into Dragon Ball Z. And everybody was like, that's cool. Yeah. And, and I, I experienced that too when I was in, um, when I was in high school, when I was going to public high school before I went to, sun, mm-hmm. before I went to you know, private school where I met Matt. But, you know, before I went there, I went to a very large, very diverse high school in, in Orlando. And my friend group were those outsiders you're talking about. They all loved anime. They loved D&D, right. <laughs> uh, comic books, Star Trek, Star Wars. Um, and it wasn't just a bunch of white kids. They were white kids. They were black and brown kids. Um, and also uh, Kung Fu big amongst the same demographic yeah. kung fu films yeah um so yeah i, th- I think it, it does at least at the time it was kind of brought in as like an offbeat thing where like you know in the 90s there was there were i mean that being offbeat was super cultivated yeah um the off, but it stayed offbeat. It didn't become mainstream. Like there was like a, a known market, and it was down there where people were being super weird, <laughs> you know. And you could go to that, and so that's that's why like there's like this just the the whiplash of the shift that uh, from like down there to now like it is the culture, right? Well, and I think is super you, weird. <laughs> well, I mean, you for think us, about- you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of like I kind of want to talk about the fact that we owe this huge debt to the artists that were involved in mid 90s Nickelodeon cartoons and like the entire operation that is Cartoon Network, because I mean, I I just recently learned that like that that like animators are involved in like Ren and Stimpy and Rocco's Modern Life and all that. They they worked for Russ and Baskin. They worked for like these offbeat animation houses um and that 
you know they never they never got embraced in the mainstream Hollywood, but they they these guys you know they animated like the weird uh, you know off brand Lord of the Rings movies and stuff like that. You mean Bass that, and Rankin, right? Rankin Bass and Rankin, thank you. Yeah, Bass, yeah. <laughs> Rankin and Bass. Thank yeah. you. Sorry, but um, but like these guys, like you know, these were offbeat nerdy animators who never got embraced by the mainstream. You know, when they were working for these animation houses, but they managed to sell these bizarre cartoons. You know, yeah. to people. And then you think about, I mean, it's obvious that the people who were involved in Cartoon Network really loved the world of animation and the art form of animation and the history of animation and the fact that they were given opportunities to do things, and but they were given limited budgets. Like, I mean, I just, I could go on and on about how well, brilliant I think Space you, Goes Coast to Coast is. Yeah. Do you think the massive popularity surge, like overnight surge of popularity of The Simpsons? probably lent itself to to anime kind of being snuck in during the 90s and sort of oh, totally. more adult oriented animation because then oh, totally. you know since it became popular then you know mike judge started doing his thing right he was in butthead right right so yeah and i mean i would say that and mike judge is probably a really good example because of 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 someone like weird as weird as it is to say he's probably closer to what anime is as an american animator than than like matt grinnig or even like uh matt like matt and trey like matt stone and trey parker because you know or or seth mcfarland because like they're not making he's not making slapstick right Right, beavis and butthead is really kind of a sad story about neglected (laughs) kids right and king of the hill is just a sitcom that happens to be animated yeah and fits a lot more with some of the more like typical anime stuff you find out there. And like, and that's, and that leads me to the other stereotype of anime that I want to talk about, which is also just how people associate anime with just like nurse uniforms or like, or like, um, like sailor uniforms and robots. Right. And yeah. Swords, which is like not a huge sub, like that's not, <laughs> that's not all there is. Well, plus, I mean like the, the the schoolgirl outfit is like it, it's that's from Japanese culture because they're the the schools are all that they all wear uniforms right like right yeah yeah they wear those sort of like sailor uniforms right which is and sort of course of the, the robot is like it's like it's, these are these are these are symbols of Japanese culture essentially yeah of like the the uniformity and then uh, the robot of course their technology the sword right. I don't really know. <laughs> I will, Maybe it's oh, the sword. The sword is deeply rooted. Sword is deeply rooted in Japanese culture because yeah. of the samurai. Oh, oh there you um, go, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Gundam, by the way, Gundam is designed to look like samurai. Yeah. Um, so it's but, kind of funny. Those, those, what of like what a, like an average American would symbolize anime. They're actually mostly they're, they're mostly talking about Japanese culture, or how right. like how an American views Japanese culture. Right. Um, but. I mean, I think it's I think it's such an interesting thing to talk about, and an interesting thing in terms of, like, uh, you know, one we've talked about like the fact that like you know you have these lonely nerds, you know, you know I mean I I, I guess I could count as that right because I was you know spent so many of my summers alone in my house, mm-hmm. right? Like I can't tell like, I can tell you like the summer that I spent by myself in my house building Gundam models, right? Yeah, you know. Um, you know, playing video games and then just waiting for Toonami to come on so I could catch up with what was going on in Robotech. Well, think about think about a kid with like boundless imagination, right? Who's stuck in a place like Norman, Oklahoma? Yeah. Could you imagine what you would what it would be like when you see like 
when you see Appleseed for the first time or like Pat <laughs> Labor. It's like a cop show about Mecca. I mean, I mean, seriously, like the yeah. what it would do for you in your imagination, um, you know, and that's. But I will say, I, 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 it could be a, a separate topic for us to talk about sometime in this podcast. Is the fact that, like, like you said, nerd culture has become the culture, yeah. and nerds have basically become like the jocks, and now nerds yeah. are the bullies, which is the weirdest thing. I know, and not- the the well, it's it's oh gosh, there's so much at work at it when you when you include the internet. And something I've always kind of wanted to come around to say is we've we've talked so much about toxic fandom, and I think I've come to the conclusion I, I've I've come about face to that idea of toxic fandom. I don't think toxic fandom exists. There's just fandoms, and then there's the internet, which makes everything bad. Yeah, because I think that I don't think our, our fight are not with toxic fans. It's like no, it's like this is what this is what the internet creates. Like yeah. you know, you have the you have the alienation, the anonymity, and it's like it's going to create. That kind of you know toxicity, but that's a different episode, <laughs> right? But well, I mean, but I... but there is something like I'm I'm still fascinated by the idea of tying this into I mean, the anime nerd, the isolated anime nerd, also kind of related to the isolated gamer, who might be the same person, you know? Right. There is a capital, like I said, there's a capitalistic element involved here, where you take you have like American individualism, and also I don't know if Japanese individualism is a thing. I mean, is individualism like a big in- Japanese thing, like it is here? I, you know, like I, I know like I know there's super capitalists there too. But in general, in general, East Asian cultures value conformity more than yeah. individualism. But I'm not sure how that actually plays out in Japan because obviously there are individuals, and you see, you know. But I think there's sort of a sense that you you can get away with it when you're young, but when you're when you when responsibility strikes, you need to. Yeah, right. Well, and what I'm trying to point out is that one of the one of the consequences of capitalism is when you take an individualistic culture, especially hyper individualistic as it is here in America, mm-hmm. you're going to create alienation. Right. So it's like a perfect recipe. And that's why you have like that, um, you know, the the shut-ins in, ja- in, in Japan who like have their own word, <laughs> you know, and, and probably the same thing that's happening here. And and they've become the internet because the internet has 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 uh, brought them together, unified them in a way, even though it's yeah. not like a real kind of unity because they don't have they don't actually meet or know each other, and so it creates this weird amorphous. I don't know. <laughs> like it, it's ugly and weird. Well, uh, and, and, and I, I want to say I'm not like I'm not just painting all anime fans with this brush. By the way, I'm talking about like a I'm talking about a certain subset of people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is like I've encountered. I mean, I've encountered these folks in my in my travels. Yeah, you know, I've you know as a as as a as you know, I worked in a video game store. You know, yeah. um, I. Um, I used to frequent there was a there was a video game import shop that was located in the little Vietnam neighborhood of Orlando and my and my friend Josh and I used to, and his brother John we used to go frequently and that's where you could buy like Gundam models and you could buy like video game soundtracks and you could buy wall scrolls and anime and you know um you know custom cases for your PlayStation which was awesome um um you know we spent a lot of time in these stores and you would bump into these folks right that were you can spot them a mile away like you know this stereotypical anime 
person like right like or like but but like it but it's but but as i'm talking about it now and like with you know some years of perspective behind it you know that person and that personality isn't isolated to anime or to video games or to you know like that person exists everywhere they just they you know but we've I think as a, I think in general as a culture we've had this tendency to like we, we we like to scapegoat and we like to categorize and and again again in this capitalistic thing you're talking about I think you're right like we love and I think we talked about this recently right we love to label oh, yeah. everyone and we label them and then when we give them a label it's now like okay now that you have this label we can market a lifestyle to you according to your label and you know because it's like it's like what we've done it's like what we've done with like race, right? It's like, we've said like, like we white people are like, okay, you're black. Now here's what we're gonna tell you this means. It means that now we're gonna give you a magazine and we're gonna give you, you your own clothes and your own, like it becomes this whole thing of like, you have to be this, right? Now within like black culture, of course, has been embraced and become its own thing. But it like all started with us like trying to give like a racial alternative to like what we were doing yeah. as white people. I, I and, actually saw this one really funny tweet uh, it, was from, it was from a black person on Twitter it was how in the world did Sprite become the black soda <laughs> it just we happened one day yeah white people were like hey let's do this yeah, yeah. it's we um, you know and so like and we do it with everything right we've, we've started you know so now it's like nerd nerds become an identity right so like I know we're getting in danger of talking about identity politics right but like this yeah. is what capitalism does we like give you this label and then we here's an identity and now in order for you to live into that identity here's a bunch of stuff to buy yeah and that's the alienating part you've become alienated right. you feel that that alienation that that feel that loneliness by you know taking in taking part in the commercialism aspect and, and the right. consumerism right so yeah and the thing is is like for me like i i know that like i liked buying gundam models because i loved the way they looked and they were fun to build right yeah. you know it it wasn't like i was like oh i need this to fulfill my identity right like i just sort of gravitated to it i thought it was cool right and a lot of people gravitate to it it's cool but there's always that insidious piece that you're talking about right where it can be co-opted and marketed to and to say to you like here you go and now what i wonder now i now it makes me wonder uh you know like with with a culture that does this how like the pandemic has furthered this right because now what is it like Try to be away from people. Try to stay in your place. Try to, you know. Yeah, and uh, and it's and it, there's a weird back and forth of like use this time to better yourself and work on that thing you've always wanted to work on. And another thing, like, no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> like, right. this is a pandemic. Like, this is not like a. a, a I, I mean. The fact that it's a pandemic is already taking a toll on you. Don't burden yourself with more things you have to do. That's that's already an idea. With you know, whatever. Yeah, and I think that there's, and this is the thing that I think is where it gets where it gets kind of scary a little bit. Like with anime, is because the other thing we have to the other piece we have to acknowledge is 4chan, which started as an anime fans forum and has of course you know of course devolved into being the cesspool of the internet where a lot of those folks have then left and created their own thing. And then that thing got banned and then they created their own other thing, which we will not name. Um, there's well, and you know, there's an interesting mix that came with that. And it's that, um, 
we're getting very far away from anime when I go into this, but I think it's really interesting to bring up on this episode, which is that um, as long as the internet has existed in America, or at least back when like Usenet things were were were, were a thing before there was the internet, um, white supremacists were super active mm-hmm. in those spaces. If you like these like Usenet spaces, uh, because they were to be able to use it, to, you know, to spread all their information, all their propaganda. It's like the moment like it, it's like sprang to life. I was like, oh, this is like a, this is this is our tool. This is just for us spreading fascistic propaganda. Come on, um, and those sort of Usenet groups moved in to those forums like 4chan, right? And it it it, it mixes and mingles with these isolated nerds, you know. Yeah, and I and and it, I mean it, right, which is like classic gang recruitment tactics, right? You find the the lonely person, and then you just sort of you recruit them to your cause, your idea, whatever. Um, I um, well, that's why like you know it's come it's come to, it's come to a bit of a stereotype on the internet that like if you have a Twitter avatar that's like an anime avatar, that you probably should just block that person, right? And that's. And that's an unfortunate stereotype. And that's, I think, part of what I think we want to talk about with this with this series, right, is the not only is anime as an art form, but also as we talk about anime fans, like, that those two things don't have to necessarily, like, be, right? Like, you can like anime yeah. and not be, and not, like, hold a tiki torch in Charlottesville, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's becoming an unfortunate stereotype and i think that's why we're acknowledging and trying to be very careful by saying it's a stereotype it's not necessarily real so like if you're listening to this you know because chances are the hashtag showed up and it may have piqued your curiosity um that's the thing like i just want to i want i want any new listeners to be aware of is like our whole thing here isn't like to like trash anime fans no no i mean that's like that's the whole point of the series it it is to be like this is a, a thing that we haven't applied our expertise to right and we're going to we're going to do that now we're going to do it with a full-on deep dive music mayhem style that's how you know right. we're serious about it yeah oh and, <laughs> and that but i think we also let's be honest jp yeah we're also a little bit nervous that like some of these 4chan types might get attracted to <laughs> what we're doing and we're a little worried about that right a little bit so you want to you want to choose the first title well, I, it, it sounds like it's between you and me, but you do you want me you want me to do it? Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm going to cheat, JP. Okay. Even though I know your pick, and your pick is probably way more cheating than mine. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, there's. I'll say here's. I'll, I'll tell you. I, it was. A, it was a, not a tough. It wasn't as tough as like Music Mayhem was for me. But I will say I was between two things. One of uh, the first one, which I didn't pick. But I was, I, I really, I kind of wanted to pick um, Usagi Drop. Um, mostly because it subverts almost everything that I think most people think of, of when, when they, in, in America, when they think of anime. Um, because it's just this lovely domestic story, right? It's about this guy who finds out that his, um, his grandpa had had a girlfriend on the side like after his grandma died and then they fought, he fathered, a, he died, he fathered a child. Um, and the girl has no, the girl has no family connections or whatever. And so this 30 year old dude opts to, uh, she, to, to uh, adopt this 
six-year-old girl and he's just a single 30-year-old guy and so it deals with all the like weird culture stuff in japan around a single man adopting or having a child and you know and it's just it's just a great show about parenthood um the only thing is is it's only available on crunchyroll and you could watch the ad version of it you know but the ad, honestly the ad version is very annoying because of the way it, it works um, but it's just a great little domestic thing. And so I do encourage people to check it out because it's only like it's one, it's like an 11 episode season. Like that's all there is, um, at least as of the last time I watched it. I don't know if they've done more. Um, but what I am actually going to pick is um, is, um, Hideo, uh, is um, Hayao Miyazaki's very beloved, much beloved, My Neighbor Totoro. Um, I'm assuming there probably aren't like any zombies in there or anything. No zombies. Um, no. In fact, I'll just go ahead and say one of the things that I think fascinating about it is it has no antagonist. And I think it's really amazing to see an engaging film that doesn't have to devolve into good guys versus bad guys. You know, I, I know that there are like some strong ties between Studio Ghibli and Disney. Yeah. And I think that is what, what Weinstein was doing, I think. Yeah, um, I, and I'm I'm curious. There has been a trend recently in Disney animated films, with at least in the past, maybe since Frozen, where right. they've kind of done away with having villains. Like the Disney villain isn't really a thing anymore. Well, there is. I mean, there's Hans. You have antagonists. Right, right. But there's no like clear like black or white villain. It's usually yeah. mostly about. Yeah, Moana. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't know. I can't remember any other ones. I mean, I haven't seen Zootopia, so I can't really weigh in on that. But um... but I, I oh, like um, 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 Onward. Onward has really no villain in it, yeah. right? Other than time. Although that's that's a Pixar joint, right? But it's Disney. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think even even Pixar, like, not really like villains anymore. You have right. antagonists, you have obstacles, but not really like a. There's no, there's no Cruella de Vil. Yeah. There's no uh, Maleficent. Yeah. Um, but I will say that. Um, so Totoro, Totoro has become a movie that I've seen so many times with my children. I, I, I watched it with them just on a whim. I always want to see it. We bought it on Blu-ray and we watched it with my boys before Cora was born. And part of the reason why I watched it so many times with them is it was the first movie that it was amazing to watch that they they would sit down and watch it from beginning to end and not talk. They were just completely and fully engaged the entire movie. And they still are when we watch it. Like, for, the movie's magic. Wow. For children. Um, so yeah, so that's my neighbor Totoro. Cool. Well, I'm uh I'm I'm excited to check it out because I am definitely interested in, in just watching all of them now that they're available to me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, go out and watch My Neighbor Totoro, which is available on HBO Max if you have it. Uh, and I'm sure other places, you know, drop a few bucks on Amazon. Come on. Yeah. Give it a shot. Amazon needs your money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like using my hand, we'll, we'll reconvene next week and we'll, we'll all talk about My Neighbor Totoro. Yep. It's going to be fun. Great. That's a great place to end it. Um, Father Chuck. Kunu, thank you. Mahalo. <laughs> Ekomomai. And I also oh, want to... Sorry, sorry. Emalama Pono.
Uh oh. All right. Uh, <laughs> I also want to thank uh, Occasional Matt, and uh, I want to thank you, the listener and the viewer, for listening and viewing us. Be sure to to uh, tune in next week, and don't forget to like, subscribe, oh. and what was that? I would say I just randomly as we we're closing out, I just thought of a really funny joke that we should try to explore, which is sometime you should clan like secretly you should start like grabbing recordings of Matt, and then whenever we sign out and he's not here. You should just like include him saying like good journey or some kind of like thing. So it's almost, I don't know, it's funny to me. Probably, yeah. I, 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 I've thought about that doing like a, like, like what they did with Chef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, have a wonderful week. Good journey. Good journey. <laughs>